Little did you know you are strong, smart, insightful, beautiful, hilarious, loyal, and loved. The podcast you need to navigate your 20s. Little did you know with Shelby Eastwood. why I think I put this podcast out on Mondays because I hate Mondays so much like I hate Sundays too because like the day is off and you're just like I want to relax but then like the knowing that you have to go to work or you have to go to school or you have to do whatever the next day on Monday like just makes Sunday worse you know what I mean Fridays are my favorite day um because you literally have to get through six or eight or 12 or however many hours you work and then you know you got two days ahead of you which is nice but Mondays suck Mondays suck monkey butt um so I think that's why I did this on Mondays So there's your fun fact of the day. At least on a positive note, next weekend is a long weekend for us here in Canada, um, which thank, but Jesus, actually thank Queen Victoria because it's her birthday and that's why we get it off. But you know, um, oh man, I'm so excited. And it's the one know something weird. So we always used to call it May 2-4 weekend because it normally falls around like May 24th. so you just call it May 2, 4, 24 weekend. You know what I mean? I mean, you know it was a long weekend of May. Where I am now, they call it May Run. That is the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like, why? Why? Why May Run? Where are you running to? Where are you going? And when they were talking about that, I'm like, what the heck? What is May Run? Like, is it like a, a race? Is it like a marathon? Like, what, what, what is this May Run thing? Apparently, it's a long weekend in May. Who knew? Little did you know that it was a long weekend in May. And so that's weird. I don't, still won't call it May Run. I refuse to because it's May 2-4 and that's what we grew up on or the long weekend of May. Anyway, that's my rambles. Uh, uh yeah. Um, yeah. There's been like some dilemmas and stuff. So there's been some drama going on in my family and um, it puts me in like a difficult spot. You know what I mean? So I don't really talk to my mom right now and it's because of something that she did and something that I found out and it affected my sisters and and my family and stuff um and I don't agree with it and so because of that I it triggers me too much to speak with her um and I think that that's a healthy and okay boundary for me to place on myself um but my dilemma was that Mother's Day was, yes, no, Mother's Day was last week, last Sunday, and um, what do you do, you know what I mean, like, you kind of feel guilty, like, you're like, do I call her, do I suck it up, do I, do I, like, text her, do I just make a face just to say I did it, you know what I mean, Um, so that was, like, really tricky kind of dilemma for me, Um, and, like, you feel guilty you're like does that make me a bad daughter if I don't text her if I does that make me like a bad person if I don't call her because I don't want to talk to her because I know it's going to trigger my anxiety and my um like past traumas so like like what do you do you know what I mean and so and though the worst part about it is is like when I was texting um my ex-stepdad to speak with my little sister uh he's like oh two wrongs don't make a right blah 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 she's still your mother this and that I'm just like okay, but I 
place that boundary you know what I mean and it's like I'm going back on myself if I'm the one who is like you know what I mean if I just like say something just to say it like do I mean it sure happy mother's day like you know what I mean but like I don't want to talk to her I didn't want to talk to her still don't want to talk to her and so like that just made me feel it just makes me feel really guilty um and I know that I shouldn't and um I have an appointment with my therapist so like me and her will talk about that but like you know what I mean like she texted me on my birthday and I replied and she never replied to my reply didn't get a text at Christmas didn't get a text on New Year's didn't get a text for Easter or any other event holiday that followed after that and so like why sh- I almost want to say like why should I text her you know what I mean but um yeah it's a trick it's that's um yeah <laughs> so if anybody has any thoughts about that or like be able to um help me out there not even help me out just like kind of like if anybody ever been in that position before I'd really like like to know your um um, I'd really like to know how you kind of navigated that situation and stuff. So let me know. Send me a DM. Let me know. Uh, because any tips would be greatly appreciated. Like what, um, like what would you do if you had to place a boundary on a family member? You know what I mean? Like, and does it make you feel guilty? How do you get past that feeling of guilt? Because that's a tricky one. Um, so yeah. Anyway, um, enough about that for now. Um, we have a great guest in the waiting room, so we're going to take a quick break and we're going to get him on. Hi, Eric. How are you? Hi, Shelby. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really honored to be on your show today and to be able to speak to uh, your 20-something audience uh, is really cool. I I wish I had had something like this to listen to when I was 20. Uh, I think my life would have taken uh, a significant uh, turn for the better much earlier on if I had this type of a resource. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. That was so kind of you. (laughs) I'm not used to people saying that right when like you show up. (laughs) Um, Where are you anyway? So I am, uh, I'm in the lower 48, as we like, as, uh, we like to call it. I'm in Aspen, Colorado. So I am about 8,000 feet up in the Rocky Mountains right now, looking out my window as the sun is setting uh, with about probably seven feet of snow, eight feet of snow out my window, yeah. and, and a really good ski day ahead of me tomorrow. That's so, yeah. so cool. Do you guys, so you guys always get a lot of snow then? Yes, we so we you know, we average somewhere around 340, 350 inches of snow a year Jeez. here at the ski resort. And uh, my wife and I live right at the base of the gondola, and wow. we we make our living uh, in the winter on the snow. So it's super convenient and a really fun place to be. That's so cool. Are you originally from Colorado? No, so I'm I'm an East Coaster. I grew up about an hour south of Boston. Okay, uh, in a town called Somerset, and I went to school about 15 minutes outside of Boston, where I met my wife when mm-hmm. I was a junior in college. Aww. And 
and we moved to uh, New York City, lived in Manhattan for 18 years. And in 2011, in the fall, we moved here to Colorado. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about yeah. that as the uh, as the show goes on. But it was uh, it was mainly for the betterment of my own mental health. Mm-hmm. And we are we're definitely going to get into that before we do any of that, though. Um I kind of talked a little bit about your story um, and your kind of purpose and where you've you've come to now. But I want you to tell uh, my listeners, tell like what, what's your what's your story? What inspired you to do what you do? Give me the whole background. Sure. So I guess if I start with my why uh, and, and why we started the From Survivor to Thriver podcast, and then I can work back into my own personal yeah. story if if that works for you. And so really, it's it's become a dream of mine uh, for people to be able to speak openly and honestly about their mental health issues and have those conversations without having any fear of judgment. Mm -hmm. And so in November of 2020, uh, right before the start of ski season, my co-host, Mark Fernandes, uh, who is a very, very close friend, as well as a a colleague here, a ski instructor in Colorado, he and I... uh, started toying around with the idea of the podcast. Uh, we had both been through uh, decades-long mental health journeys, uh, which, as we'll talk about, uh, can be very nonlinear. And, and yep. the very idea of a journey is that the journey never ends. <laughs> and so with, uh, with ski season right around the corner and being in the, uh, the throes of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, uh, we, we really wanted to uh, get the message out uh, that uh, it's okay to, it's, as I like to say, it's perfectly okay to not always be okay. And we really wanted to start to shatter the stigma around having mental health conversations and, and give people a platform. And it, for us, it's become a storytelling platform to be able to share their story, show others that they're not alone, uh, and most importantly, help others find their voices. And all of that, for me, really stemmed out of uh, let's call it uh, almost five decades now. I just turned 50 in October and of, of my own mental health journey and the ups and downs and the, and the nonlinear uh, aspect of it all. And it, it, as far back as I can remember, I was probably seven uh, and I knew, I knew there was something different. I didn't know what it was. Uh, and it, it ended up that I you know, was suffering from anxiety uh, and severe OCD. Uh, and for me, my OCD manifested itself in, in two different ways, uh, both the physical manifestation of OCD, I think, which we're all familiar with, uh, you know, straightening things, neat, being very neat, <laughs> counting, rituals, all that. But it also, uh, there was a second piece of it, which I came to, to learn about much later on in life, which was intrusive thoughts. Uh, and these intrusive thoughts for me uh, were, were quite terrifying and quite scary uh, and made me feel kind of at my core that I was a really bad person uh, and that, um, you know, if that I, if I acted out on any of these intrusive thoughts, uh, you know, that I, I be seen as just this absolute horrible monster. And, and so I lived, I lived with that and I lived with that secret uh, for quite a long time. And, in 2004, uh, I was living in New York. I was working on Wall Street, and uh, it all had just become too much for me. And I had what was called a dissociative episode, psychotic break, nervous breakdown. Uh, and it was at that point, 
I was 33. My wife finally encouraged me to to seek some help. Uh, so I was working with a therapist uh, for the first time, and it was really helping. I was starting to learn out learn about more about anxiety and OCD, what it was, what caused it. Went on medication, which significantly helped. Uh, but I did what most people do. I thought, okay, I'm cured. Uh, and so <laughs> stopped seeing my therapist, uh, took myself off the medication, thinking that I was my best, my own best doctor. Uh, and then in 2006, uh, had my second dissociative episode in September, uh, which was more severe than the first. Oh my gosh. And that, and that was when I finally realized something had to change. And so I got real serious. Uh, I was seeing my therapist three times a week. Uh, he put me on not only I was on Prozac at the time, but he also put me on a benzo uh, to settle my anxiety so that I could finally start to sleep and have some clarity uh, in my life. And I started doing the, the really hard work and that that continued uh i i left new york in 2011 my wife and i both came out here with our two cats to colorado uh a lot of it was about you know looking into kind of the second chapter of our lives and and a big part of that was finding you know i'm, I'm looking outside now and just kind of smiling and and finding healing in the outdoors and uh and being able to to be outside all the time and away from the, the stress and the pressure of, of New York City. Mm -hmm. um, and things things have been going great. And, and as I talk about uh, in some of our recent podcast episodes, as the, uh, as the journey often uh, finds its way into your life uh, when you're doing what you seem to be you know, your best, uh, in October of this year, I... I went through yet another uh, episode on my journey. That's awesome. As you were telling your story, I was kind of curious. I know this is not something I gave you as a question earlier, but just as you were sure. mentioning it, did... Um, did your like did you mention it to your family because you said you realized it when you were like about seven right so did you mention it to your family at all or was it was that a very like hush hush kind of thing when you were growing up sure i mean it was for me a lot of that was very hush hush mm -hmm. uh you know when i was growing up so i'm 50 now i was growing up i was you know born in 1971 so you know 70s and 80s uh it was really a topic that wasn't brought up it wasn't talked about a lot yeah uh, i i did uh have some conversations with my mom when I was a little bit younger, trying trying to kind of explain what was happening, but I really wasn't able to put any words to it. Yeah. Uh, and I remember my mom did take me to uh, a child psychologist at one point, and uh, I kind of remember that the whole anxiety thing was brought up, uh, but it seemed as though it was kind of chalked up more towards just, you know, school and pressure and all the things yeah. that I was doing. Um, and that's kind of where that conversation ended until, uh, you know, my wife and I really took my mental health into, into our hands, you know, a couple wow. of decades later. And so that's crazy. Something that I've noticed when I was growing up is like, my mom and like because my parents were divorced when I was younger and they always try to keep like that quote-unquote perfect family image so to speak like don't say anything about this don't talk about this like lie hide about this um do you think maybe that that's like that can help to contribute to people maybe experiencing anxiety and depression and other mental illnesses at such a young age 
Uh, I definitely think so, especially, you know, and I'm thinking of some friends of mine, uh, you know, I've, I've heard from so many people since the podcast mm -hmm. came out, uh, who have confided in me, uh, you know, off air texts, calls, emails, um, that, wow, I can't believe, you know, you were going through that. I was going through it yeah. as well. Uh, if I had only known what was <laughs> happening and, yeah. and so, yeah, I think for people that, uh, come from households where there are already, you know, issues taking place, mm -hmm. uh, and as you were saying, you know, trying to put on the facade of, of a perfect, of a perfect household, you know, as a child, you really don't want to kind of disrupt that. Yeah. And you feel like that's your only place of safety and security. Mm. Uh, and so if you pull back that veil of safety and security like you're really not sure what's going to happen and so i think that definitely contributes a lot I, I do have to say you know i i give kudos to the current generation uh and that's you know a lot is your audience who were who's <laughs> listening today um that they're really you know starting to bust open this whole conversation and and uh, we had um we had Erin Murphy on our show uh, in this fall, and you know she's uh, going into her senior year now in uh, high school in New Hampshire, uh, and she was super, super open about mm -hmm. uh, you know her battles with self harm and depression, and um, you know and her family you know came running to her aid, and so it's really great to see with the younger generation now how this is becoming more of a kitchen table conversation, and 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 not only you know our parents speaking about it, but also kids are speaking about mm -hmm. it and they're working together as teams to to help shatter the stigma i think i agree with that i think like even when i was younger like we didn't talk about it much either and i'm trying to think like when i was in school and stuff it maybe it might have started to be a topic of conversation i was in like grade 12 or something um but i think too a lot of um you know on i don't know if you've seen it on netflix the the show selena gomez produced 13 reasons why no. No? You have, have you heard of it? No, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I've heard of it. I yeah, so it. so like it's about like there's a girl in high school and she gets severely bullied and she actually um she hides it for for like basically ever and she ends up um taking her own life in the bathtub and she's I think she's only I think she's a junior in high school, I think. Um and Selena Gomez produced it cuz she's like the mental health advocate and all that stuff and like there's like the disclaimers that they started because like they were the first kind of show to put a disclaimer in being like if you know somebody who's who who needs help or what have you like that's in the show and now like other i've noticed other shows are starting to do that and like that was never a thing even when i was younger like 10 years ago you know what i mean so the fact that yep. they can sh make and produce shows like that i think is it also helps kind of open up the conversation and make it a little bit more yeah approachable even yeah, no, and I love how you bring up that show because I also think back to, you know, when I was growing up and, and I liken what's happening, starting to happen now with the mental health dialogue very much to, you know, when cancer started, people yeah. finally started to talk about cancer and, and you know, in the, in the very early you know, days of the AIDS epidemic and, yep, and into the, yep, yep. Into, for me was, I can remember exactly where I was when Magic Johnson held his press conference to say that he was HIV positive. And, and that was really a breakthrough moment for that dialogue mm -hmm. to take place. And, and I feel we're kind of on that same precipice today with the conversation around mental health and so many people like yourself and, uh, and what, what, others are doing uh to really spearhead the conversation you know yeah. I, I applaud you for that <laughs> i applaud you for that too like <laughs> um something you mentioned too you were talking about your phrase it's okay not to be okay and somebody 
when I, when I saw that you had written that, somebody else has said that, but I can't remember who it was, but I've heard that before. Why do you think we do that? Why do you think we hide the fact that we're not okay and we just were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're fine, we're fine. Like, why do we, people do that, you think? Wow, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, uh, so, so I've, it's funny. I've altered the phrase a little bit because um, I, I've seen so many people talk about, you know, is it, is it okay to phrase it this way? Is it okay yeah. to phrase it that way? And so, so when we started the show, I, I was talking to Mark, and it just kind of came out one day, and, and it's become my tagline. And, and the way I put it is it's perfectly okay mm. to not always be okay. Yeah. And, and by that, what I really mean is, you know, there are always going to be days on our journeys. We have good days and we have not so good days and that's perfectly okay. Um, but uh, I've heard so many people talk about, you know, it's not okay to not be okay all the time. And so I, I would agree with that. Um, but yeah, you, you, everyone's allowed to have their on days and their off days. But if you're, if you're consistently struggling, it's definitely time to reach out and, and speak to somebody. Um, and to get back to your, your question about, you know, why do we kind of hide that? Uh, I think, you know, there's, there's a couple of reasons. I think number one, um, I think we're all, we're all afraid to be judged uh, and we're all afraid to be found out. Um, and, and for me, you know, there was a lot of shame that went around that, especially, you know, throughout high school, uh, I was, you know, kind of a top performer academically. I was, uh, you know, it's funny. I had a friend in town who I was skiing with this weekend and we were joking about, uh, you know, he's a captain of football team and, uh, yeah, I was track and field. And so I was kind of, you know, both. I had the academics and the athletics, yeah. and so I was really afraid of, oh gosh, if, if people only knew. So there was kind of that imposter syndrome going on yeah. as well, uh, and that the the shame, and then it continued as I got into college, and then especially career-wise, you know, I spent 18 years on Wall Street and in the financial sector in New York City, uh, where it was all about, you know, a very cutthroat, yeah. show, show that tough, that, that persona. Toughness. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So if anybody's seen, uh, you know, movies, you know, the original Wall Street movie that came out or the Wolf of Wall yeah. Street, uh, you know, I'm not going to go into the, the <laughs> sordid details of what life was like in the 90s uh, on the trading on trading desks. But, um, you know, you weren't really allowed to show any weakness or any mm -hmm. vulnerability. And so I, I really learned how to build up that facade. And I talk about it now as though I had two full-time jobs. One, one full-time job was to maintain the facades and nobody would see what was happening with me. And the other full-time job was to try to actually be who I was. Uh, and, and it That's exhausting. This, it, it's exhausting. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely exhausting. And sooner or later, uh, like it happened for me in 2004, your brain goes, okay, I've had enough. Uh, and it essentially does a, con a control alt delete, you know, reboot the entire circuitry. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it just can't take any more of, of that overwhelmingness. What, what did I know? Like I, I do that all the time too. Like I don't, I talk about it more so now than when I used to because I was, I think it was 2016, I was diagnosed with severe anxiety and moderate depression. Um, and even now I still have a hard time like regulating my emotions and everything. Um, so like, how would you, how would you, what advice would you give to people to be more open about talking about it and not feel ashamed? So I'm going to use the words of one of our guests. Actually, a couple of guests have talked about this, and, and, and I believe this to be really true. Vulnerability is a strength. Mm. I, I know a lot of people see, well, if I'm vulnerable, people are going to judge me 
what are people going to say? But vulnerability is a real strength. And once you start to open up and once you start to talk, people are much more willing to start to have that dialogue with you. Um, People aren't going to judge and people are going to be much more willing to listen. Uh, And I found that just with when I started to open Mm -hmm. up uh, just to a very small circle uh, before we had even moved out to Colorado, uh, I was, I was overwhelmed by the responses and how supportive people were. Did you find the people were almost like sympathetic or like just actually like actively listening? I found that people were actively listening. Mm -hmm. uh, And now as I've, gotten further and further along in my journey and I've taken a much larger you know, role as an advocate mm-hmm. in the mental health space and I've had lots of conversations with those very same people. Uh, I now realize that not only was it active listening, but for some of them, it was also, uh, you know, empathy on their part mm-hmm. because some of them were actually experiencing the same things mm. that I was going through so they could understand it but at the time they just weren't ready to speak about mm-hmm. it and so and so it's been very interesting um, to, to see how those conversations have kind of transformed over the years that's awesome that's that's super good I'm a I'm a teacher so I try to kind of have that conversation with my students as well and it's funny because when I got into the classroom I'm in now, there was a teacher in earlier this year, and uh, I don't know if you guys have it in the States. In Canada, the Bell Company does a Bell Let's Talk Day in January where, like, they donate five cents for every, like, text and all that stuff. Um, And, like, there's the whole other negative side of what they're doing, but, like, the positive side is they're having that conversation going, right? So I was talking about that with my students, and they were like... They were like, Miss, we don't, we never talked about mental health before. And these kids are in grade seven. I'm like, what do you mean? And so like every single, like once a week now we have like some sort of conversation. We talked about the, um, the boy, the 12 year old boy in, I think it was Utah who, who committed suicide with his hoodie. So we talked about that last week because my kids are 12 years old in, in my class and like they went around all my students, they put like positive affirmations on these posters and we went around the school and put them all around the middle school. And so like, you're right, like having that being vulnerable enough. And I think them seeing like a teacher being okay to talk about it too, it kind of gets their conversation going within their groups and outside of school and stuff. So you're like, you're right. And I, I see it in my own classroom too. So yeah, no, I, and I love what you're doing with, with your students mm-hmm. because I feel like you're never, nowadays you're never too young to have these conversations. Oh, yeah. I, rem- I remember back to my middle school days and uh, we would watch those weird black and white films and sex, <laughs> and sex ed class or, or whatever, whatever health class it happened to be. And, uh, and, and I think now, like, it, it's just as important mm-hmm. to talk about mental health as it is to talk about, you know, the risks of teen pregnancy. And, and, and on some levels, um, and, and for those who may or may not have listened to our podcast, I'm not afraid to shy away from, I don't shy away from, from controversy. Um, when it comes to, you know, like the issue of teen pregnancy, like, you know, there, there are some complications and some risks involved. Um, but when we're actually talking about mental health, we are talking about life or death. Yeah. And so to me, the topic of mental health is as important, if not more important than some of these silly oh, sex trust, ed classes. Oh, trust that I had to do, I had to teach all the sex ed classes last year for grades four, five, and six. And the questions I got, like, I was just like, I, 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 oh my god, like, kids were asking me, like, what a dildo was, and, like, I, all this stuff, and I know this is completely off topic, but, like, I, 
I found it easier to teach that because I, I like, even for them, they were, like, all giggly and stuff. But I'm like, guys, it's science. It's biology. Like, that's, like, that's, for me, that's easy. You know what I mean? Like, I come from yep. a science background. Whereas mental health, it's almost more personal. You know yep. what I mean? Because, like, oh, not everybody can relate to it. Whereas sex ed stuff and biology, like, everybody, like, everybody's got it. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, no, and it's true. It's, you know. I love that you have the explicit rating, so now I can be I can be me. And so it's you know, kids are gonna laugh when you talk about like, oh, this is how you put a condom on. Yeah. Right? The giggles start around the room, and and the and the questions start. Yeah. And, um, but suddenly things kind of go hush when somebody says, you know, what's self harm? Yeah. Uh, because you know, if we know the statistics, one out of every five people uh, suffers from some sort of mental health issue here in the United States, right? So out of 300 some odd million people, we're looking at 60 million people. And so you can only imagine when those people are kids. Yeah. Uh, so when that topic comes up in the classroom of what is self-harm, what does the word suicide mean? Yeah. If, you count, if you start counting off, right, one out of every five kids in that room, that thought might be percolating in their head. And so to be able to bring that conversation to the forefront and make it open and honest mm-hmm. and something that you know is is no longer taboo um it you may just save somebody's life oh, 100%. by making them feel that it's okay to talk about it 100 percent. and what you're saying is like giving me goosebumps because like i literally had this conversation with them last week when i was talking about the boy in utah and then like i gate i got into like the 13 reasons why show and stuff like that too and i was like guys if because they were bullying each other in, in the class and whatnot and i'm like guys if you guys continue this like i I, we're having this conversation because this can happen to somebody in our class and I don't want that to. And like you saying that, I like, I feel that all over my body because we just had this conversation. <laughs> yep. And like, I could see like, even it's funny because like even one of the kids who was being the bully, he like, like their jaw dropped and they were like, because that's how like the boy in Utah um, committed suicide and took his own life. And the one boy who, who was being the bully, he's like, I wonder how the bullies feel after like they got to school the next day and he wasn't there anymore. And I'm like, good question. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so like they're they're recognizing that. You know what I mean? And I think that's good. Yeah, and and I I didn't think that the nature. I know this is probably off topic, but even the nature of bullying has changed. Oh yeah, you know, I remember. I remember. You know, if you had you know a beef with somebody, right? Like <laughs> you, it wasn't this constant bullying on social media and oh, ganging up yeah. on each other, right? People would meet outside yeah. after school <laughs> in the playground. There'd be a fight. And then, you know, then, then you're someone good. would be, de- yeah. somebody be declared the winner, somebody's the loser, and then you stand up and you shake hands and you're like, you good? Yeah, we're good. And then you, you'd be on your way. Yeah. And, I, and I think what's happening in today's society uh, is, you know, people are doing this kind of behind screens mm-hmm. um, and, and, and the bullies have no idea the impact it's yep. actually having on people on the other side. Yeah. And when you start to get groups of 10, 15, 20 people together ganging up on one person, uh, and like you said, you know, if that person doesn't come to school the next day and suddenly you read in the paper or you hear, yeah. you know, in the news, um, you know, that could, that can contribute to a whole series of mental health issues oh, yeah. you know, on the other side as well. Yeah. So. Oh, hundred percent. And it's even the same with adults. Like I even see it with like, adults my age and st- like ha- still going on so it's just it never ends <laughs> no 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 <laughs> i'm curious to um because like i've i know i mentioned i deal with really bad anxiety and and depression too i'm curious like what your experience was like living with ocd um especially prior to you getting help for it wow uh i you know i, I was talking to my therapist a couple of weeks ago about this as i've 
really done a lot of work mm-hmm. and we'll talk about what I'm what I'm doing to help uh, to help alleviate OCD in my life. Um, and I said to her, I never realized how much time OCD actually took out of my daily existence. Uh-huh. And so for those for those uh, in your audience who aren't familiar, um, intrusive thoughts uh, can be, you know, anything from, you know, just thinking you're a terrible person to, you know, having a thought of, you know, harming a loved one. I mean, it could, it could, it could cross the spectrum. Yeah. And so what happens is once that thought gets in your head, uh, you know, the human reaction is, well, I'm going to push that thought away. And so the more you try to push the thought away, the more the shiny object wants to come back. And so that loop just plays endlessly. And so then I, for me, it then manifested itself in terms of, you know, physical OCD, because that subconsciously for me, it was something I could control. So I would start doing everything in threes. And then I would think, well, if I didn't wash my hands and count to three and it went to four, something bad was going to happen and my thought was going to come true. And so I'd have to rewash my hands or I'd have to turn the light switch on and off three times. I would have to check the door three times. Um, All of, you know, throughout you know, high school, college, uh, up until recently, all of my books, everything was in order, you know, largest to smallest on the coffee table. If a paper was, if one of my cats walked by and knocked one of the books out of order, I'd have to go restraighten all of them. And so it, it, looking back on it now, it was absolutely exhausting, right? So here I am putting up that facade of everything is okay. and, And kind of living, you know, a double life. And at the same time, you know, having all of these different manifestations of OCD, um, I now look back on it and think, how did I even get anything done? Forget about being successful. Like, how did I even, you know, survive on a day-to-day basis? <laughs> and, and and I'm curious, you know, for you, if if as for you as you've gone through this, have, have you looked back and thought, wow, I can't believe, you know, how tiring all of this really is. I still struggle with it. Like I still struggle with it a lot. Like all there'll be days where like, it's really, really, really bad. And then like, like for example, like earlier this weekend, I had a couple really bad days. And then like today, I like today's a good day. And I'm just like, think looking back on like Friday and Saturday, I'm like, wow, I was either like really like a real bitch or like, you know what I mean? Or like just really yep. like over exaggerated about something. And then, but like in that moment, you just feel like it's like, that's that's all that matters. Does that make sense? You know, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And, and it's and it's all you know. It's it's really in that moment. It's all about control. Yeah. Because because you know you think well I can't have control over my thoughts. Yeah. I can't have control over my anxiety. Uh, or if for people like my co-host um, who is more on the, the depressive side, so you know you don't have control over you know, your depression and your and your sad thoughts. Well, and I, I just can control. spiral. Like yeah, I spiral, I, and then it gets it worse, spirals. and it's like this giant yes. like like anxiety attack. And I just it, it then afterwards you're just like exhausted. You know what I mean? Like it, yes. Yes, because you know you're you're basically in that. We talk about it on the show. You go into this fight or flight yeah. mode, right? And you it goes back to your primitive brain, right? And and your conscience is there, your ego is there to to protect to protect you, right? Yeah. And so one of the things my therapist did with me recently uh, is, she, you know, she says if you start to feel that anxiety come on, look around and see if there really is a tiger around the corner <laughs> that's looking to attack you, because in reality what you're going through is not a life or death situation. Yeah. So that was just one of the many things in, you know, what we call CBT or cognitive behavioral therapy, trying to work on retraining your brain to think, 
differently and great, it's like that you know, other one where they say if it's not going to matter like yeah, like the five year the five minute rule thingy where it's if, like if it's not going to matter if you're not going to remember it in five years it's not worth like the five minute like panic attack you know what i mean exactly it's yep. it's like it's like that one there um yep. did did um your experience with ocd like affect your relationship with your wife when you first met her in college no so uh it was funny i and, and now that i look back on it we and we do joke about it and talk about it so i i always thought i was just extremely neat i didn't i didn't <laughs> I didn't know OCD was a thing. So yeah. I just thought, well, I'm really, really neat. And, and my wife, uh, and she won't mind me saying this, right. She, she was a little bit on the messier side, right. So, <laughs> uh, there was definitely like a juxtaposition when you would look at our two rooms. Right. And so I always felt more comfortable in my room, right. Yeah. Where everything, uh, you controlled what it looked uh, like and like, uh, exactly. Yeah. And so I would find myself going to her dorm room and I would, straighten things out or she'd be in class and I'd be over there and I'd be putting things away uh again thinking I was just this you know neat person uh and then uh, you know here we are you know we've been married it'll be 25 years in April we've been together for 30 years and um and I think uh you know she I'm sure she had um some ideas along the way that hey this behavior isn't normal, yeah. um, and I'm using air quotes since we're not on video. Uh, but uh, she's been my biggest supporter uh, along this whole journey. That's and, amazing. Uh, and she's walked right alongside me. And I think, if anything, it's it's strengthened our relationship. Yeah. Um, and she's been she's really helped me, you know, not only work through anxiety and other issues, but specifically OCD. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, and yeah, I can't thank her enough for that. Oh, that's amazing. Um, okay, I got two more questions for you before I let you go. Uh, sure. What is the, you can take this any way you want, relationship, mental health advice, life advice, what is the best advice you've ever received? Wow. So uh, there's two pieces of advice that I received. If that's okay, am, yeah, I, allowed of to course. Give, am I allowed to give two? Of course. Uh, so, so the first came from my therapist, and this, she, she said this to me. I called her. Um, it was, gosh, seven in the morning. I was in Maui in October. So it was probably noontime here in Colorado. And, and I had just gone through the throes of a panic attack. And and I said to her, I, I can't believe this is happening again. Why is this happening? Um, you know, I can't go through this again. And you know, right after she said, well, we're getting you on the next plane on the red eye home to Colorado and we're going to work on this. Um, you know, she said to me, she said, I want you to write this down. And she said, grab a pen and paper. I said, okay. And she said, I want you to write down the following words. And she said, you should thank your brain for letting you know that you're ready to take the next step on your healing journey. Um, and that, you know, in, in as kind of discombobulated of a state that I was at the time, it, it made a lot of sense. She said, your, your brain is telling you you're ready to go deeper um, mm. and it's time. Uh, so, so that's one amazing piece of advice. The other, and this came from, uh, I've heard it from some other people in conversations, but, but it really struck me. We had a guest on our show um, who happened to grow up uh, less than 20 minutes away from me. We didn't know each other uh, in our childhood. Uh, we met uh, through our mental health advocacy, her being on the show. And it was, it was um, during a pre-call 
uh, that she and I were having, and we both discovered that we had suffered from very similar intrusive thoughts. And mm -hmm. so she was really the first person uh, to this day that I've ever had that conversation with, yeah. where we've we've actually talked about intrusive thoughts. Um, and she said to me, she said, you know, you are not your thoughts. And she said, and that's something that she worked really hard with in her healing journey. And so it's something that I've taken with me very recently. Um, when I do start to see those thoughts kind of come in and out of focus, uh, is that idea that you, know, you are not your thoughts. Um, that's awesome. Your, and, and your thoughts are not actions. I Oh, I like that one. I like that one a lot. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, last one for you. I like to ask everybody this one. It's kind of like my little routine, ritual routine now, I guess you could call it. If you sure. could go back and tell 20-year-old Eric anything, what would, what would you tell him? Uh, so I tell him a few things. Uh, I, first, I would tell him uh, make sure you marry Amy, which I did. So that's uh, so that one you can check the, you can check the box on that one. Uh, but first, the first thing I would say is you don't have to live in silence. You know, find mm. find somebody you trust, whether it's a friend, family member, loved one. Tell them what is happening. Like reach out and and um, find find that person who you know is not going to judge you mm. and sit down and say, I just need you to listen. Uh, because I think in, in uh, you know, today's society, so I'm speaking, if, if it was my 20 year old self speaking to your 20 year old audience today, I think in today's society, uh, we're also quick uh, to use social media, yeah. shoot a text, respond to a Facebook post. Uh, we've lost the art of listening yeah. and often, all we're looking for is for somebody to listen and for somebody not to even say, hey, I think you should do this or that or, or make a suggestion. But but just by being able to share your story, uh, if I had been able to share my story when I was 20 years old and have somebody listen to what I was going through, it would have taken so much weight off my shoulders. Yeah. And as I, as I said at the beginning of the show, it would have probably put me on a much different trajectory in terms of mental health and, and all of those things. Um, and the other one uh, that um, I wish somebody had said to me when I was 20 uh, is, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. And and it's really uh, you know one part of the foundation around what Mark and I have built our own podcast around is that whole idea of you know you're not alone. There's somebody else out there. You know yeah. nobody goes through the same journey. Every it's like a fingerprint. Each person's journey is like a fingerprint. It's individual has its own nonlinear twists and turns. But there is somebody out there who has gone through something similar, and you are not alone. I love that. That's, I, I don't even have a comment on that because that's just like a perfect, that's like a perfect way to end this. <laughs> um, where can everybody find you? Where are you? Uh, so we're all over the socials. Uh, so our podcast is called From Survivor to Thriver and new episodes are released each Tuesday. So awesome. we are on Apple and Spotify and Google and Stitcher and all of the and all of the, the things. Uh, we have uh, a Facebook page called From Survivor to Thriver and we post both the audio version of our podcast as well as the video version. Awesome. Uh, you can find uh, you can find us on Instagram. We are at Brush Creek 
Thrivers. You can also find me on uh, either Facebook or on Instagram. My Insta handle is at Ski Sherpa. Uh, so yes, I am a full-time ski instructor here in Colorado in the winter. And so my face, my personal Insta page will be littered with either pictures of me skiing or mountain biking uh, and lots of things around the podcast. Uh, and if you want to find out more about my co-host, Mark, uh, he is at Mark from CO. Uh, it's short for Mark from Colorado. Uh, and as he likes to say, yo, it's a really boring Instagram handle. So. <laughs> <laughs> for, a, for such a serious conversation, you made me laugh a lot today. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. And, you know, we, we have very similar conversations on our show. And, and, I think one of the things we found is, is we've talked to so many people around the world, uh, mm-hmm. both on the show and off the show. You know, mental health um, and, the, and the very conversation of mental health can be such a heavy yeah. topic and a heavy and a heavy conversation to have. Um, but nobody says uh, that we can't have a little bit of lightheartedness and brevity mm-hmm. around it. You know, it is all about storytelling. Yeah. Um, and so we the the fact that um, sometimes if you can make somebody laugh even through their most difficult time it makes it a little bit easier for them to see a glimmer of hope and some light at the end of the tunnel so i'm i'm hoping as your audience was listening to the show today there might have been some smiles and some and some chuckles as well (laughs) i i think so because i got some so (laughs) uh but i really appreciate you taking your time um i'm going to download your podcast because it sounds really great and something that would uh connect with me too so and i'm going to share that all over mine um but thank you for taking time out of your 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 evening in colorado to chat with me i really appreciate it oh shelby thank you so much and uh and you know again for everyone uh who's listening you know today you know reach out you know speak up um if you if you feel that something's not right internally uh you know say something um and on, on the flip side, if you notice that something is not right with somebody who you love, if you haven't heard from them in a while, if you haven't seen them or spoken to them, pick up the phone, give them a call, check in, uh, you know, especially for those of us who are living in areas uh, around the world where it's winter time. This is a time when we don't have as much, you know, social engagement, especially as we're coming out of, you know, COVID-19 in different parts of the world. Uh, you know, so, so make sure to reach out to people and, uh, and, and be a good listener. Um, and as I always like to say, um, and I'm going to go out with a bang with this one, don't be a dick. It's pretty easy in life. Um, to live by that one rule is just don't be a dick. That's great. I would want to just title this episode that, but I feel like that would just be too much. But I love that. We're going to keep in touch. I really appreciate it, Eric. Oh, uh, for sure. All Thank right. you so much. Take care. Bye. Oh my gosh, he's literally so fun. And I did not expect us to have so many uncomfortable conversations. So that's fun. (laughs) Oh, man. Literally, that health story is like my funniest story to date about teaching. (laughs) Uh, It's just if you aren't nervous to talk about something uncomfortable um, and you're open to talking about uncomfortable things, then I think it makes it a lot more receptive, especially to other people. 
and it makes the conversation much more relatable and personable. So that goes for anything, right? That goes for sex ed, that goes for mental health, that goes for trauma, that goes for relationships, um, everything. So just, yeah. (laughs) Oh, but that was fun. And we'll see y'all next week.